Welcome to the Friday edition of Life Happens. And at this time, what we do, we usually go into behind the music. And my guest today is Bongani Matlangu, who's a journalist and writer. And we're reflecting on the music of the African continent and its future. We've just played you, Felakuti Lady. Good afternoon, Bongani, and thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Hey, afternoon. How are you? Well, I'm good. Let, let's talk about this, what we what we think will be the future of Africa. And I suppose your reflections want to take us back to where we come from with this music. Yes, I mean, we come from a very rich uh, history of music. You know. I mean, if you look at the kind of music that is produced from uh, all over the continent, from Cameroon, Nigeria, Kenya, everywhere. Uh, we've had fantastic singers, Manu Dibangu, uh, Michael Jackson at some point had to be on one of his songs, uh, Soul Makosa. Um, we have uh, Fela Kuti, whose who's Afrobeat is still a phenomenon around the world. And when we come to South Africa, we we have all sorts of artists. You know, Miriam Makeba, Hima Sikela, all of these artists are artists who shared the stage and actually even worked on songs in the studio. But some of the greatest in the world, I mean, Kaifas and uh, Quincy Jones, uh, Ima Sikela, uh, with all sorts of uh, uh, great artists. I mean, here up shoulders, even with the likes of Miles Davis in mm-hmm. terms of music, that's Ima Sikela. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ray Thierry uh, with, um, with Simel, uh, Ray Thierry with, uh, with uh, Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the list is endless. And when you look at uh, today's music in South Africa, uh, you realize that we are sort of, uh, uh, and this excites me, we're sort of uh, rediscovering ourselves mm. in, 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 in the global community. So we are embracing global trends and global music, but at the same time, we are not losing our identity and, and, and an accent. I mean, if you look at the, the kind of music that has been coming uh, from the guys from KZN, uh, the, the likes of Blindos, Java, and, and Black Diamond, and all of them, you realize that what they do is they are fusing Maskandi music with elements of hip-hop, uh, hip-hop as in hip-hop from the U.S., yes. and, elements of, uh, and elements of R&B. And in that, what you have, you are having a totally new uh, taste of music, uh, such that if you are familiar with Maskandi music and you hear what these guys are singing, mm-hmm. you are like, hmm, now we've upgraded to another level, to an even higher level. Uh, so Maskandi has moved out because, remember, most people consider Maskandi music to be just music for, for, for Zulu people. Mm-hmm. But now what these guys are doing is they are, they are uh, globalizing Maskandi to appeal to uh, a, a, a wide variety of people as opposed to, because if you, if you look at Maskandi in the past, it will appeal to people mm-hmm. who are mostly interested in folk music. Mm-hmm. That is, if you go to Europe, people who are interested in authentic African music mm-hmm. that, um, that has no international influence. <laughs> but these young, these young guys are bringing the other sounds into Matkandi without losing their identity. Bongani, this does excite me. But what, what, what has always fascinated me, and tell me what your thoughts are on this, is the wave, right? It, it comes in waves. So it's not the first time that African music and sound goes global and, and it wows audiences. And then there's a lull. And then it comes back again. So we've had those eras and, and, and times where there, we, we, we were the talk of the world, for instance, right? Where the Mary Magebas yeah. and the and Kaifa Semenyas were the talk of the world. Not South Africa of the world. But there yeah. was 
was a specific reason why that happened because there was a, a political message that was driven by um, that agenda being driven across the world using music and art as a tool. And and then we have those waves. When then we get a time when Black Mambazo comes in and there's a wave that the world celebrates our authenticity and so on. But but it comes in waves. What I would like you to help me think through is is why does it do that? Why do we have these surges and then and then a lull and then a surge and then a lull and then and, and, and then for a period we we hear ourselves sounding like other people and we've kind of lost ourselves in that sound and then maybe something wonderful like Shoma Josie comes back and then reminds us back again. So just think about that while we go to a spot break and then we'll be back with more music as well. Here, there and everywhere. SAFM 105.2 FM in East London. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, 20 minutes to 3 o'clock. I'm in conversation with Bongani Matlangu, who is a journalist and writer, and we're discussing really African music in today's context, where it's going, where it comes from, and its impact on the world. Before we went to the air break, Bongani, I was talking to you about why does it do that? Why does the impact of the authentic African sound have surges? Why does it not stay constant, and what makes that happen? Okay, I think uh, what we need to be aware of is that each um, each each part has has its role to play. Okay. Now, musicians are not marketers; they are just musicians. That's what they are. Yeah. Now, I think we have to look at the how have we marketed uh, African or South African music mm-hmm. over the years, and you realize that we've never had a strategy mm-hmm. of marketing South African or African music collectively uh, to the world. What we do is we 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 market individuals so if you do that the problem is that if you market um uh, outside the world and market individuals when that individual is out of fashion it means you are also out of fashion you know so we need to we need to have a strategy to market ourselves uh, in a group form in such a way that what we do is if we let's take a classic example is, is korean pop music yep. k-pop if you look at how K-pop is being marketed, it's marketed collectively, not individual groups per se. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, you will have one group that emerges and become much stronger than the others, but you don't lose focus in marketing collectively. So, but I think, but I think another big problem that we have, mm-hmm. we are obsessed with marketing uh, globally outside the continent mm. and not in the continent. So what that means is that we don't have a solid foundation at home because you need mm. to build a very strong base mm-hmm. where you come from, <laughs> it's, you know, to be sustainable. It's it's an interesting one there because, Bogani, you know, um, oftentimes when somebody wants to present themselves outside, the first question that the outside world asks you is, well, how are you doing at home? And exactly. and, and, and we have not got that sorted. But I also want to ask you why we why we why do we keep, making the same mistakes. In other words, you've spoken to one element of what makes this happen. So you've spoken to, for instance, the obvious bit, which is a musician who just makes the music and often is constantly present. And then you've spoken about the marketing machine. But I want Mm -hmm. to ask you about another element, which is the political will. 
because we have seen how that impacts on an era, for instance. We've seen that that era that created your your, your Meremakevas, uh, your Humasikelas, was a conscious decision, which many don't know, that came from the headquarters of the ANC to say, by uh, Oliver Tambo, to say, the arts are going to be part of our strategy to send our message and we are going to make it our mission to make it work. People don't yeah. know that. That That's why the world then saw the likes of Meremakebas and Huma Sikelas. There was a machine that drove that kind of marketing mm-hmm. machine. Why have mm-hmm. we not learned from that? Because it works so well, we can certainly look at it and say, well, we need to repeat that. Well, you know, I always say that, you know, your weakness can also be your strength and your strength can be your weakness. So now, when music proved itself or the art proved itself to be a powerful tool of disseminating messages and, and getting the attention of people all over the world, what also happened was that it opened the eyes of politicians to say, be careful of this particular thing called Strategy. music or the art, ah. because uh, it, 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 it can bring you up there, but it can also take you down mm-hmm. when you are in a position where you're not doing things in the in the right way that you're supposed to. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm on record as having said that politicians are afraid of artists. Mm-hmm. They are dead <laughs> scared of artists because, you know, if you open up, let's say we open up things in South Africa and make it possible for artists to thrive. Mm-hmm. Now, what that means, it means that people not, will not be, you know, in fact, coronavirus... You can exploit them as well. Yes, they can't be dependent on you. Yeah. Because remember, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Mm-hmm. So because most artists in South Africa at the moment are reliant and dependent on government, they are not critical of government. Mm-hmm. They will never be critical of government. You can't bite the hand that feeds you. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you ration opportunities. So when you ration opportunities, you have a sea of starving artists and you only have a selected few that are benefiting. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the selected few that are benefiting do not want to find themselves in that sea of poverty. So what do you do? You would not criticize the way you should be criticizing, especially when you see things uh, 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 going wrong. So for me, I've always said, it's a deliberate ploy to starve and suffocate artists. There was, there's, in this country, there's absolutely no doubt there's a sea of talent in every little corner of the province in this country. You, there's no shortage of talent, first of all. Mm. There's no shortage of music, good quality music in this country, and talent for, for, for that matter. You know, if, you were, if I were to be employed by any radio station in this country and, the country, and they said to me, put together a playlist for us, I will put them a, a playlist that will have music uh, you would not repeat for six months. Just from a catalog of South African music, good quality South African music. Uh, that I'm talking about. So there's no shortage of talent. There's no shortage of skill. There's no shortage of quality. What we have, we have a situation where we have politicians who are dead scared of artists. So keep them in poverty so that if you mess up, they are not going to call you out. So how do we resolve that, Mungani? Because, you know, in spaces where the artist has thrived, they mm-hmm. they got that very clearly, very quickly. So in spaces, mm-hmm. for instance, in the U.S., where there is just no support for a black musician, let's even take it further, for a hip-hop black musician that comes from the Bronx, right? Yeah. Yeah. They learned very quickly that they need to be self-reliant and also yeah. speak to their own constituency. In other words, that's the market 
market they're talking to and they need to build that and support each other. Yeah. Uh, and for for a time, I think we got it. You, we got it with Guaito in this country where Guaito yeah. was a machine on its own, uh, independent of government, independent of other other big uh, conglomerates. And it did well. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what's missing now. Why, why, why did we move away from that strategy? Okay, I think first what happens is you will have that movement where people are self-reliant. Yeah. Then you get co-opted. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, you are making yes. twenty thousand yes. rand a month, yes. and then they co-opt you. You make you make two hundred thousand rand a month, <laughs> and then you get institutionalized. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you get institutionalized. Yeah. You forget about everything. Yeah, you know. Um, um, I like what you said about what, what has been happening or what happened in the Bronx. Yeah. In South Africa, right here in South Africa, Ray Peel, who I've interviewed, uh, who I interviewed a lot of times and spent a lot of time talking to him about South African music and all sorts of things, mm. once said something very uh, significant to me about how Stimela became a recording band. Mm-hmm. Um, they had submitted uh, demos at Gallo, and Gallo was not taking them serious. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, yeah, no, I sh- we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. But what Stimela used to do, they used to do campus tours. So they will perform all over the place mm. um, uh, 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 as a touring band. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point when they were in KZN, um, the, the students that were attending their shows, the following day, they started phoning radio stations to say, um, can you please play me Stimela, such and such a mm. song? Mm. And no one knew who that was or what that was. So they called kept coming uh, to radio stations. And the music compilers at the station started calling Gallo to say, I mean, record companies in South Africa, saying, do you have a band called uh, Stimela? Nobody had a band called Stimela until they got to Gallo. And Gallo remembered that they had a demo tape of, of, of Stimela. <laughs> they phoned Ray Thierry when they were in Devon and told him that they have to come back to Jobek immediately to record because people were demanding the songs at radio stations. Now, what this, what this tells me is that Bands or musicians have to learn something very important. They have to go out where the people are and perform their music. Because remember, SAFM, any other radio station in this country, is looking for the same person that is out there Mm. to listen to the station. Mm. So when the person says, I saw such and such a band in my community and I would like to hear that song, uh, played at the station. The station, there's no way the station is going to say no. Mm. And if the calls uh, keep increasing, that uh, please, can we hear these songs? There's no way you can ignore that because you want that audience uh, to listen to you. So, so with that story, Ray proved that a band, and th- that has been the case in the U.S. I remember uh, reading a book on uh, James Brown and, and mm. another on, on, on Ray Charles. They build themselves and their popularity through touring, not through radio stations, mm-hmm. through touring, going on the road, performing for the audience, in front of the audience, because you have that intimate interaction with the audience. And once they hear a beautiful song, they know you're going to move to another uh, province or another state. So they want to hear that music. It's either they're going to want to buy the album or they're going to want to hear the music uh, from the station that they, that they listen to. So to get it right, you have to have artists touring. I keep hearing a lot of South African artists saying that they work hard. No, they don't work hard. They don't. <laughs> you, you're being shady now, Mangani. <laughs> no, but they not. No, Pimela, I'm being honest. They do not work hard. <laughs> Listen, we'll, not. Co- we'll continue with this. Let's play some music. I mean, what, what do you want us to play next, Mangani?
Um, do you have Benna Boy? Absolutely. We've got. Uh, let's do that. Let's play some some music, and we'll be back with more. Okay. So, Bongani, you you did tell us you warned us to say if we had to give you you know a playlist to put together, we would come back to you more and more. So you're doing it right now, Benna Boy. Yeah. And and yes. your reasons for picking this particular song? Look, for me, Benna Boy. Um, when the first time I heard some of his music, I was like, yeah, yeah, you've got it. Yeah. Uh, because you know, Afrobeat is what Afrobeat is one of those uh, music styles that never get out of fashion. And when uh, Fela Kuti died, I know. Femi and Sean Kuti have been doing their best. But if you listen to their brand uh, of, um, of, of Afrobeat, it's very close to what their father used to play. So we needed somebody to, uh, to take us a bit, uh, bit far from what uh, Fela was doing. Somebody who would not try to do what Fela did. Somebody who would uh, take from Fela and say, wonderful stuff. This is how I'm going to interpret what you have done. And I think Benna Boy has done that fantastically. Uh, it appeals to a new generation of uh, music consumers and even an older generation that is familiar with Fela can listen to, to Benna Boy and appreciate what he's doing. Hmm. You, you have a quote that you want to just make us reflect on. Yeah, I mean, Franz Fanon uh, from the Wretched of the Earth, uh, he said each generation must discover its mission, hmm. uh, fulfill it or, break or, or betray it in relative uh, opacity. Now, if you look back at uh, so, uh, African music, not just uh, South African music, if you look at African music in the, during the liberation struggle and the independence wars, you realize that most artists were aligned to the African cause in terms of uh, uh, pushing the agenda uh, to, to, to liberate the African continent. And I suppose they, 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 they took serious what uh, uh, Sekou Toure the first president of Guinea said uh, to say that to take part in an African revolution is not enough mm. uh, to write a revolutionary song. You must fashion the revolution with the people. Yeah. Um, you know, now, one of the things that have been declared uh, in the time that we live in is that, yes, we have the political liberation that we, we, mm. we sought, mm. but we still lack economic liberation. Mm-hmm. We still lack that uh, very much. And we see the problems of transformation in South Africa uh, keep bearing their ugly head and to, to, to keep most uh, or the majority uh, back in terms of uh, participating in the economy. Now, the arts have a role to play yep. um, um, uh, in terms of fighting this economic war. Um, you look at uh, a singer or a musician like Oliver Mtukudzi, who recently who passed away a couple of years back, I think two years back, mm-hmm. Oliver invested most of his money in all sorts of businesses, from property to uh, 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 wedding venues and and all that. What he did by doing that was to create employment for his own people, Mm. reinvesting the money that he's made into his own communities, creating jobs for his people. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, if we look at, we we have to refer to race now. Mm -hmm. Now, If you look at South Africa, most of us are reliant on white people to create employment for us or to give us jobs. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you cannot ignore the fact that when push comes to shove and retrenchments have to be, and in fact, there's a practical example of a media house that I know, uh, when they have to retrench, in most cases, they start with their black. They start. They mostly uh, get a, uh, do away with their black staff, and most of their white staff remain there. And I don't blame them because we live in a society, not just in South Africa, the whole world. We live in a society that is too race obsessed. Mm. So what you do is 
um, you do what they call take care of your own first and the rest shall follow. Mm. And and so So, what is then then the acquisition by Black Coffee's investment company into Galo mean? Because it's starting to do exactly what you just referred to. That's very important because it means uh, he has control over the catalog uh, of Gali. It's a very rich catalog, mm. uh, starting from 1932, uh, 1929, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. It's a very rich catalog of a heritage of a country. Uh, you think about any big South African act, most of them come from that stable uh, called Gallo. Now, what happens when you own a catalog? Uh, this also reminds me of how Michael Jackson acquired uh, the catalog of the Beatles and it pissed off uh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, because when you own a catalog, what does it mean? It means uh, anybody who wants to sample, anybody who wants to sing a particular song. If there's an advertising agency that wants to use a particular song that is from your catalog, you are you are generating income from that song, from the catalog. So there are many ways of generating money from the catalog that you have. It's not just sales, because people think it's just when you sell music or when it's played on radio. Advertisers use songs to advertise particular products. You have also what they call uh, 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 wall music. I think it's called uh, the paper wall music, elevator music, uh, that type of thing. Uh, each time that kind of music is played, whoever composed the song generates an income out of that. So it's very important what uh, uh, yeah. what Black Coffee has done because it means now he he gets to get some of the share of the money that is made out of the use of the music where he, he's got uh, a hold of sheep. Mwana Matlango, we're going to have to leave it there. Let's do it again soon. It's three o'clock. Thanks, everybody. Up next is Bongi Gwala, and let's go to SABC News for the very latest.